So good morning everyone in the room. Good morning everyone online. Um, the title of this talk today is A Tangled Knotty Mess. <laughs> and I'll tell you where it came from. Um, I was out on my, many of you know I'm a sailor, I was out on my boat a couple of days ago trying to repair something and I bought a um, a roll of nylon rope. I won't go into the, the nitty-gritty details of what I needed it for because the metaphor of it's more important. But I bought this roll of nylon rope to fix something and um, and when I uh, un, uh, took all the rope off around it that was holding it, it all flew up into a big tangled <laughs> mess, like a huge mess on the deck and it was a windy day which didn't help either. And, uh, and so I couldn't unravel it, you know, to get enough length to do what I needed to do. And um, so I decided that I would, um, I'm a bit of a dog with a bone, if excuse me, mixing my metaphors, but I patiently was there for an hour, just unraveling enough rope for what I needed and then, and then left the rest. I was almost going to unravel the whole lot of it, but I thought, you know, no need to be perfect about this. Um, but while I was doing it, it sort of occurred to me that life presents you with these um, wonderful metaphors to do Dharma talks out of. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the unexpected tangled mess, you know, this, this uh, rope that I couldn't use and I had to try and untangle, is a kind of a metaphor for the way our lives are and the way our meditation is. Because I mean, life is messy really, isn't it? You know, you clean the house and, then it, and tidy it and then it gets unclean and untidy again and and you pay a bill and then another three bills come in, you know, so you think you've got things wrapped up financially and then something else comes along. Or you forget what you're supposed to get at the shops and you have to go back again, you know. Um, or you have a conflict with someone and then some kind of, you know, mess occurs out of that. But it's like it's, it's kind of messy, you know. Um, and it's as though when we approach practice, it's so we kind of think we're going to clean up the mess. And in a sense, we, we are, in a sense, trying to do that. But you never clean the mess up because right. it's, it's messy. And if you think that practice is going to be something where you totally unravel, you know, the, the nylon rope, you know, or it never get ravels, gets, you know, um, knotted in the first place again, then it's like you're going to be in an argument with reality, right? And you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like accepting that in, in the impermanence and complexity of life, that it's messy in kind of the same sense a rainforest is messy, you know, with the branches here and there and the leaves here, you know, and it's all over the place. And um, but. It's funny how we, we approach practice with some kind of idea of purity in mind, to you know, that somehow we're just going to straighten out everything and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And we approach, um, sometimes I think we approach our meditation in that way. And you know, the great vows we do, you know, the many beings and numbers I vow to end their, their, their suffering, greed, hatred, and ignorance rise endlessly, I vow to abandon them. That whole, I love that, those vows because there's such a paradox. 
You know, it's like, I'm going to keep on trying to do it even though I can't do it. I'm going to keep on trying to do it even though I can't do it. I'll try and unravel the rope even though I'll never get to the end of it. Greed, hatred and ignorance rise endlessly. The tangle constantly comes up all the time. I'll, ab- I'll keep on abandoning it. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of our practice. It's never clean. It's never all tidy and tied up in a neat little string. Mm-hmm. So that's the way it goes, you know, without dealing with our un- unruly thoughts on the cushions. And sometimes people also, in, in uh, I find in um, psychotherapy, you know, um, think they're going to untangle every every little internal knot in themselves that arose out of their childhood or their past. Well, you can you can work on it, and you can untangle some of it. But whether you're really going to untangle everything. I'm not sure it becomes a kind of obsession. Um, the other side, I guess, of doing this um, is with the, with the tangled mess of, you know, the road, is that the other part of life which we overlook is a lot of, a lot of life is just simply enjoyable in an everyday kind of sense because we get task completion. Shouldn't I overlook that. You know, you wash the dishes up and then you clean the floor and you vacuum and then, you know, you, you do the shopping and pack it away. You come to a Sarzinka and complete it, you know, and then you go on with the rest of your day. Task completion, simple just task completion is such an important aspect of the, the contentment about how we live our lives, but it's overlooked. And um, so there was also a task completion for me. I actually got enough rope out and I finished the task and, and put the tangled mess in a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> what it leads me to is that the, the Buddhist teaching that this draws on is the the perfection of patience, or kashanti, as it's called. And in talking about patience, I just want to acknowledge um, uh, Norman Fisher's writing um, and his book, The World Could Be a Different Place, um, as well as looking at my own ideas and experience in this talk. But he's a, a wonderful writer on this subject, and I'd encourage you to read him. But what patience Kashanti is. Um, sometimes it's translated as forbearance, you know, or tolerance. Um, but that that kind of gives a sense. It's got some kind of resignation of something that you've got to put up with, which is not really the spirit of it. It's kind of like um, it, it's the doing of something. It's not necessarily the the resignation of putting up with difficulty in your life. It's actually engaging with it much more than that. And um, in a sense, what it is, and I know this is um, not ne- not necessarily easy to do. My examples are easy examples to do it with, but there are more challenging examples in life, is, is meeting the, the delight in everything that doesn't go our way. Mm-hmm. Because that we we just want our lives to go our way all the time. We want the traffic to flow the way we want it to flow, and people to act the way they should act, and so on. But it doesn't happen that way. And um, so, how can we how can we just 
a, sort of have a, a, an open mindset to meeting every new circumstance that arises in our, in our life with a feeling of delight, you know, um, about it. That's what it comes to. And in a sense, um, water, you know, like the flowing of water, like with streams or rivers, isn't a good example. It's the, 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 the stream just trickles down the valley, do you know, and it finds its way, and if it comes to an obstacle, the stream doesn't become impatient. You know. It just comes to the obstacle, and it just has to stay there, or it finds a way around it, you know. Um, but it doesn't get impatient, it's just that's the way life is. So I know a stream or a river is often used as a, a metaphor in practice, but it's a very good one. And because our life is a stream, mm-hmm. and um, if we act like a stream, um, then we reduce the unnecessary kind of suffering in our life. So our life is kind of on a, like on a, a frustration, irritability, patient spectrum always along the line. And um, so in in dealing with impatience, in dealing with patience or impatience, we have to look at the experience of frustration and anger, because that's what arises um, constantly in our life. And you can't stop the experience of frustration occurring or the experience of anger occurring, um, if you think you should, then you'll get into an argument with your anger and your frustration and make it worse. It's like you, you, we don't really have any much control over the fact that that comes up. But it's what we do with it um, is very, very important. And uh, meditation, is one of the best ways, if you use it wisely, meditation, what we're doing today, is one of the best ways to learn patience. Because you sit there and all of us experience some level of you know, pain or discomfort, um, and maybe, maybe um, impatience in whether we're making any progress or not. Right? And, and if we stay close to the body sensations of unpleasantness, or pain, rather than trying to get around them or blame someone else for it or whatever, that that very practice in itself is is the practice of patience. And if you do that enough, it starts to flow on to every everyday life. And often, like in being a teacher and and, and being involved in a sangha, you often have people who've been involved in practice, and then they say, well. I had to put aside, I can't do it that anymore because I've got too many difficulties that have come up in my life. But it's, it, it, it's the difficulties that come up in your life are the, are the most valuable times to practice and to keep on going. It's kind of it's like, it's still part of this kind of ethos we've got in the back of my mind, or our minds that life should just happen the way it should happen and practice will make it happen better the way I want it to happen as well. And if we have that attitude towards it, then we don't engage the practice with the difficulties as they arise. You know, it's a, it's a time to keep going um, rather than a time to drop out. 
So what stops us from cultivating patience? Usually one of the most common things that comes up when something frustrating happens in our life and something's not happening the way we thought it ought to is to blame someone or something. You know, the stupid people who make the nylon rope. Why don't they make it in a way that it doesn't tangle up in the first place? That that's one of our most common knee-jerk reactions is to blame someone rather than just staying close to the actual experience, being curious to the experience, but staying close to experience it mindfully. Um, the other the other way that we can deal with patients more effectively is we we take it very personally. You know, that it's happening to me right now. Why should this happen to me right now? And if we get the broader perspective, you know, the the pain is universal. Everyone is experiencing their life in some way where it's not going their way. Then there's just, it's just, that's what, that's what happens in life. It's just not about me. It's it's the experience of, of everyone. So traditionally, Patience is looked at um, in, in looking at it in three different ways. One is um, that looking at the, the hardship and then the patience that we need to cultivate around personal things that happen to us, like now on the boat the other day, or um, someone swerving in front of you in the traffic and blocking your way or someone blocking your driveway, these personal things that occur. Then the other source of um, cultivating patience and dealing with frustration is in interpersonal relationships, Um, particularly people um, that we're um, families, friends that we're closely associated with and dealing with conflict. And and conflict occurs basically when people have opposing interests. And so conflict happens universally because people have opposing interests. And um, that's probably maybe one of the, the major sources of our sense of frustration and anger in life is dealing with that interpersonal conflict. And it's important in, in dealing with that when it comes up um, that we recognise that and acknowledge the conflict, probably the passions that arise out of conflict probably happen the most intensely with the people that mean the most to us and we love the most. Um, a few years ago, I was asked by the ABC to be part of a, an interview on couple therapy. And one of the things I just said as a, as a throwaway line um, is that when there's anger, there is hope. Mm-hmm. And so then the ABC made a, an article out of it with that, with that as the heading, mm-hmm. uh, which is a pretty catchy heading, I guess, mm-hmm. um, when you think about it. Um, but it's true, is that... Um, we, if you were indifferent towards someone, then they wouldn't, it wouldn't, because they didn't mean anything to you. There was no importance in terms of breaking that connection or not. But when, there, when there's anger, 
um, it's an emotion behind the anger is a kind of indication that we care about something, you know, to want to be so emotional about it or deal with it in some kind of way. So when there, when there is anger, there is hope um, because it's indicative that there's some kind of love or intimacy or importance in that relationship that we want to resolve. But when I see couples in couple therapy where they're just indifferent and they're, they're apathetic, it's like it's gone. It's like couple therapy's not going to work at that point. It's kind of over. But where people are angry, yeah, there's some passion to try and resolve something. It's also important in dealing with anger um, to realise that it's often a cover or a distraction from, from other emotions. Um, and there's someone I'm working with in, in um, counselling long term at the moment. I don't want to go into too much detail about it to break that person's confidentiality. But he's um, a really good young man who's come from, he's got crazy parents and yet he's quite a good young man, very responsible and, um, you know, got a good work ethic and so on. And there are life circumstances that have happened with him now with his parents, which have made, which have really had a big impact on his life. And, um, and he feels really responsible for them. And he's really angry that he has to keep being so responsible for them. And uh, he has a lot of losses in his life that he needs to process, but he hasn't really processed. And what we recognise is that his anger, when he gets into the anger about what's happened, it hijacks his ability to actually grieve for these significant losses that he's had. It's like he, he knows the grief is there, he touches on it, and he gets so angry about what's occurred that he can't stay with it. And what we were working with recently is, okay, acknowledge the anger, just acknowledge the anger, put it aside, and just to, just focus on the sadness and allow yourself to go through that. Um, so our, our anger is often um, more than just anger. It's actually a it's the hard shell over which there's a lot of softer emotions inside. The thing that um, Norman Fisher reminds us of too, which is a very important point in this, uh, and I feel a lot of gratitude for him for pointing it out so clearly. But with all of the, the these virtues that we, we uh, cultivate in Zen practice or Dharma practice, patience, generosity, etc., is they're all empty. Mm-hmm. They're all empty. What does that mean? Well, patience is just a word. And it points to a kind of way that we can experience life, but it's just a word. Um, but it's funny, you know, if we're, if we're serious Dharma practitioners or Zen students, we want to become patient. Right? But it's a nothing. Right? It's not a thing. It's like, I need to become more patient. I need to be a patient person. Then I'll be a good person and I'll be a good dancer. I've got to be patient. Right? So we build it up into this thing which doesn't really exist. Right? Just a word. 
And um, but if we if we don't see it from that empty point of view, then we don't we don't really um, intimately engage with what the nature of reality is and and the nature of practice. There's nothing to be gained. Right? There's not, not something to be gained like patience. Then, then I'll get it. Then like I'll have that, and everything will be okay. Then right? it's not the way it is. Life is just a tumbling mess of experiences that happen all the time. And the best advice that can be given, you know, in dealing with impatience when it arises, stay close to it and just do the next thing you need to do. Just do the next thing. So in meditation, it's frustrating. Just take the next breath. Take the next breath. Just be close to the experience. When, when the rope all gets tangled up, you know, just be with it, mindfully try and pull it apart. Um, to end, end with, to go back to the metaphor of the, um, the, the tangled mess, well, I, I got enough rope out that I needed and I completed the job. And then I put the tangled mess in my backpack and I took it home and it's still there. <laughs> so now, I have to make a decision as to whether I just let go of the tangled mess, <laughs> but it feels a bit wasteful to do so, or whether I'm going to spend hours and hours and hours untangling it until I get it into a perfect little roll again for next time. That in itself is another metaphor to deal with. Like for instance, we're in a we've been in a, a, a difficult relationship, you know, married to someone or whatever, you know, is it such a tangled mess? Becomes such a tangled mess, we've just got to go, we've just got to let it go and start again. Or do we work on it and do we untangle it? I don't know the answer to that question. Thank you.